Hello and welcome to The Weekend Booktopian. I'm Mark Harding, Content and Brand Manager for Booktopia, and this is a podcast about the books we're reading. Joining me today are Campaigns Manager, Sam Joyce. Hello, Sam. Hi, Mark. Uh, Trade Product Coordinator, Renee Adolfson. Hello, Renee. Hey, Mark. And Senior Content Producer and Editor of the Booktopian blog, Olivia Frico. Hi, Liv. Hi, Mark. First, we'll discuss a little bit of book news, then we'll delve into the books everyone is reading and be sure to stick around until the end of the show when my guests will go head to head in a battle for book trivia quiz supremacy that we like to call book fight. So news this week. Now, a recurring theme on this podcast for the past few weeks has been Stephanie Meyer and Twilight. Uh, We make no apologies for it because it's huge news uh, in the book selling world at the moment. Stephanie Meyer mentioned in an interview this week that she has ideas for two more books in the Twilight saga. So I'm not hugely familiar with Twilight outside of just absorbing, that's the word I'm trying to think of, (laughs) absorbing it through the cultural milieu. I can't talk today. Uh, What do we think the two new Twilight novels will be? Liv. It's got to be Alice and Jasper. That's the only story I'd remotely care about. <laughs> like, I don't know. I just think their story would be kind of interesting, I guess, because she mentions in Midnight Sun that Alice knew she was going to fall in love with Jasper and was just basically waiting to meet him. So that would have been weird. <laughs> and I would have, like, I don't know. I feel like there's also a big audience for that. Alice and Jasper are two fan favorite characters in the Twilight universe. Um, but Sarah also floated the horrifying idea that it's Jacob and Renesmee's story, which I don't think uh, anyone wants to see. <laughs> but hey, who knows? All bets are off. Mm, mm. <laughs> what about Sam and Renee? Have either of you um, got... I've, um... I've, I've never read any of the books. Um, I did see Holy. New Moon four times in the movies, though. <laughs> wow. Because... It, if you look at it as a comedy, I really enjoyed it as a comedy. <laughs> I couldn't. It was just so funny. Um, I don't know. I mean, maybe from another person, maybe the same story from another person's perspective. I don't know. I'd like to see, I'd like to see Twilight from um, uh, the dad's Charlie. perspective. Charlie. Charlie's. I'd like to see that. Can you imagine what that poor man was going through? <laughs> I mean, you know? I don't have many thoughts, but what the thoughts he does have are, like, bang on. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. Or I, I thought maybe, you know, um, the Volturi, that, that that group, you know, how they get started, maybe their individual stories could become, you know, could be folded in and kind of become like a Game of Thrones novel where there's different chapters from different perspectives, that style. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. What about you, Renee? I was 100% banking on it being Jacob and Renesmee. One of those books is going to go down that route. I don't know if I'm too keen to find out anything more about them. But, yeah, that's that's what my instinct is. But I haven't made a big enough dent in Midnight Sun to actually know if it what Midnight Sun actually covers from the original series. Pretty much just the first book. Just the first book? Yeah. So, yeah, it could just be following each book by book. I think she said she doesn't want to do that, though, mostly because writing from Edward would be too depressing. <laughs> That's like the literal okay. word she used. I'm pretty sure. Wow. Well, mm-hmm. she also did. Did did she not do a gender flipped version of Twilight a couple of years back as well? I had no idea that was a thing until Sarah brought it up in our podcast yesterday. Oh, cool. 
Yeah. I have never heard of this. Was it published? Yeah. What's it called? It's. I can't remember what it's called. It's got a green apple on the cover. I've never heard of this before. Oh, I recall. I recall the cover. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I might have thought it was a parody, though. Who <laughs> <laughs> can say in these troubled times? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, cool. So the next bit of news uh, to cover, uh, Andy Weir, the author of The Martian and Artemis, has announced a new novel called Project Hail Mary. Uh, who's read The Martian or Artemis or any of Andy Weir's work? Um, and are we excited to see this alongside the fact that there has already been an adaptation of this book announced that set star Ryan Gosling uh, as an astronaut who is stranded in space with dead crewmates and no memory and has to save the Earth? Never read Andy Weir. Sign me up for Ryan Gosling. <laughs> I, I I never read the books, although I really want to. Um, but I very much enjoyed the movie The Martian, um, with oh, I'm blanking on his name now. Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Matt Damon. It was one. It was one of the Matt Damon by himself movies. Um, yeah. And that 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 trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> that series of very separate films where it was Matt Damon, but in kind of a similar situation. Um, but I really liked the premise, and this new one sounds really cool. Sounds a bit like Dead Space, mm -hmm. but um, Andy Weir, and yeah, I'm keen. He said he has a really interesting sciencey comedy style, from what I'm told. He does. Mm -hmm. He's um, the the way that he wrote The Martian uh, is really interesting because he. Um, I remember the story correctly. He started publishing it chapter by chapter on his blog. Um, before landing a publishing deal. And it was something that was uh, a blog that became popular amongst NASA engineers. And so he would publish a chapter on his blog and then they would write in in the comments and give him commentary on this is inaccurate, this would happen like this. And then he would have this kind of correspondence with them where they kind of fleshed it out and made it like kind of more scientifically accurate. And then the wow. was the book that kind of came out of that, which is a really, it's it's a really fun book if, if you, if, if you have the time to pick it up. And what a what a great way to crowdsource, um, you mm -hmm. know, uh, expert opinion yeah. <laughs> without having to go to the effort of um, paying anyone. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that could technically be Andy Weir with NASA, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he's he's uh, I I actually find him to be a really interesting writer. You know, being a huge science fiction fan myself, uh, because of the. Um, just what he does with like settings and and concepts like the martian is a very simple idea but it's executed so well and the the tension in that book comes from the science and then um artemis which was his follow-up which wasn't as popular and for some reason nobody's adapted it uh, into a movie yet is uh a, it's a crime story uh, set on the moon in about 100 years and again the tension in that comes very much from the mm. science of what it would be like to live on the moon and how that yeah. would affect the way that you could commit crime. Uh, I definitely need to read these. Um, mm. But the moon one sounds like it would probably, if it's crime, it might do better as a series, as a, like a Netflix series, as opposed to um, a movie where you can flesh out the tension and the mystery. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's, I actually listened to that one as an audiobook, and Rosario Dawson narrates it, and it's she does a very good job. I like her. All right, last bit of news to discuss. 
Jake Gyllenhaal is set to star in a TV series that is currently titled A Suspense Novelist Trail of Deceptions, based on, stay with us now, the viral New Yorker article about Dan Mallory, also known as AJ Finn, author of The Woman in the Window, and the several lies and deceptions that he spun while promoting that novel. Liv, update us on the AJ Finn saga. <laughs> Where to begin? This, so, this has everything, like fake dead parents, urine in cups that mysteriously appear around someone's office, publishing in New York City. You know what? Like, I remember the day that article broke and someone sent it around the group chat, like, at 7 a.m. And it was the first thing we saw. And it was like, I remember waking up going, who the hell is chatting at this hour? Like, for God's sake, it's work. Like, it's 7 a.m. You, you can, this can wait. This article could not wait. This story is insane. He is just a basically very charismatic dude who... Um, look, we're a bookstore. I don't want to say anything like defamatory here, but like he's um, has an interesting way of getting himself a publishing deal, and basically the story he's constructed around himself. Basically, if you're like a fan of Patricia Highsmith and her talented Mr. Ripley novel, I mean, he's basically the real life Ripley, is, which I think he would be thrilled with that comparison. And I think he would be thrilled to know that Jake Gyllenhaal is going to play him in a series. Because this is an author who has connections to the publishing industry through his own um, mm. career, but those connections in that career, from what I read in the New Yorker article, were built on um, a, a resume that was a bit padded, um, you know, uh, one might say. And when I found the New Yorker article really interesting because it was the it was from the perspective of this the, the, the author of the article just sort of seeing something that wasn't quite right and then digging a little deeper and then seeing something that was even more not right and digging deeper and the more she kind of dug, I, I, I'm saying she, mm. I can't recall um, the name or gender of the author. Oh, I've got Ian Parker. He, I guess then. Um, uh, yeah, the author just, the more they uncovered, the more they, the more they discovered that this was a bit of a tangle and just a very, very strange journey um, I believe there's a the, the 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 author of the Woman in the Window is under contract for us for another novel. I don't know if that's been published, um, though as well. Because was it, it? It was the one of the best selling books in the world the year it was mm. released. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. But the and New Yorker article was much more of news within the the book industry. Uh, I, I don't I don't know how many of um, I guess your average reader came across it. Mm. Mm. And, and if they care. And and I think and, he, yeah. he it, it almost comes in like the grand tradition now of authors spinning these kind of tales around themselves, like um the million little pieces guy. Um, oh, James Frey. Yeah, and um, Helen Helen Demidenko from the Australian. Past. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I think the the article is also about not just the 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 spinning or the padding. Of this particular person's um, career and how they, you know, by assumption then landed that deal because it was their employer who also won that won that right won the the right to publish at auction, um, but also the the book content as well. Live how that mm. was cr not cribbed, I guess, but you know had a lot of similarities structurally I mean, to things that that had come before. Yeah, I haven't actually read it. Um... I saw the mania for it and didn't read it. 
Um, but I know a lot of people who did. And look, it owes a lot to rewindow, from what I understand. But yes, it's always like I always feel uneasy talking about like like it, allegations of plagiarism and whatnot because they are they can be very sketchy or mm. like. And a lot of a lot of popular fiction yeah. is written to a uh, formula. Yeah. Yeah. That's not just a matter of like to what yeah. extent is yeah. the yeah. formula actually someone else's one? The article, I think, I mean, I think the article um, goes into the way the way the article explains those two sides of this this story um, is pretty clear. It made sense to me um, when I was reading it, and I think it posed a lot of interesting questions mm. about the book and about the author. So, do, do we know, based on this news, what the what the perspective of the film is? Uh, so, from the from the article uh, that uh, that I read about it. It's uh, it's going to be inspired by Dan Mallory's story, but I think it's going to be a fictionalized, dramatized event, right. version of of the of the events. Uh, okay, so maybe yeah, someone's also someone's uh, lies come tumbling down. We don't know. I think I it think is basically. So. I think it is based on Dan Mallory's story. Yeah, mm. but like, I think it it's literally based. lifts its title from the title of the New Yorker yeah. article. So it's Jake, it's Jake Gyllenhaal as an unreliable narrator, which uh, yeah. I think he's quite good at. Um, so mm. yeah. yeah, I was just I was just curious as to whether it would be from the perspective of the you know the fictionalized Dan Mallory, or if it would be from the perspective of the um, investigator or the people, the person uncovering um, uh, who they really are, or potentially a combination of the two in, in a kind of cat and mouse thing. But I guess we'll find out more as it goes through development yeah. maybe it'll take the form of that movie um incredibly vile increasingly shocking what the ted bundy one starring zach yes. that i can never remember the title of because it's ridiculous <laughs> yes uh, yeah where it actually followed it i think from bundy's perspective correct me if i'm wrong which kind of turns me off watching that film but i would mm. I, i'm here for this series <laughs> should be interesting all right yeah. Well, shall we get into uh, the books that we've been reading? Uh, Renee, why don't you go first? What have you brought? Well, I've brought a debut novel by a young Irish writer, and I really hope I pronounce the name right. I'm not going to lie. I Googled it before just to Is make it sure. Nisha Dolan? It's Nisha Dolan. Thank you for saying it first, because I was really worried I'd stuff that up. Um, so, yeah, her book, Exciting Times, is what I read this week. And the novel, it's very interesting because the protagonist is also a young woman who's from Dublin. Um, her name's Ava and she's 22 and she's living in Hong Kong to escape from her Irish homeland and from people that she believes hate her for reasons that are later revealed. Um, and she finds herself teaching privileged kids in Hong Kong. And she's immediately likable as a character because she's honest and concise and she describes herself and her relationship with Julian, who is a British banker um, who's working in Hong Kong. And his life and salary is much more lavish than Ava's, although he is quite distant and somewhat ambivalent to a degree. But nonetheless, Ava benefits from his wealth and she moves into his apartment rent-free and the relationship becomes more transactional than romantic. And um, it's kind of a power play, this relationship. And the way you see it, it's kind of they benefit from it in different ways. And it's more that they have an understanding and they say things without actually saying them, which is kind of interesting in modern relationships and intimacy and how no one really kind of 
forms to a mould in that sense when it comes to modern love and things like that. Um, and then in the latter part of the novel, Ava meets Edith while Judith, while Julian, sorry, is away on a business trip. And their relationship, despite Edith bearing some similarities to Julian, um, is quite different as Edith tends to actually listen to Ava and wants to find out more about her and kind of tries to pull those walls down. Um, and I just found this book a really easy read. It's got very short clipped sentence structures and a very short chapters. And I think also um, Nisha Dolan's also been compared to Sally Rooney. I found that this novel is quite similar to Sally Rooney's books, which I've been enjoying for the last couple of months in quarantine. So yeah, that's my book and I, I definitely recommend it as a good read. Have you read it, Liv? Uh, yeah, I did. I read it in January this year, I think. Um, I read it back then. Um, I really enjoyed it too. Um, funny to say the comparison to Sally Rooney because I'm pretty sure they were mates at uni and they were on the debating team together or something like that. Um, you can definitely see that kind of very clipped Irish humour coming through. Yeah. And it's funny. Which is a humour I love, that dry yeah. kind of. Yeah. It's interesting. They've actually both been kind of bashed in an article in The New Yorker this week. So yeah, it's I kind of going that. off about millennial humour and it's like, what was what, what? How are they being bashed? What what was the basically angle? saying that like, oh, they're too self-aware. Like they like, and that, so basically, any political progressiveness in them is like false or I don't know. It was basically just another pot take a pot shot at Sally Rooney, but chuck in a more contemporary Irish novelist to, to pretend you're not just writing about Sally Rooney. I don't know. I skimmed the article. I was like this is really bad. You skimmed the article <laughs> and then you said, "Okay, boomer," right? Yeah. <laughs> the journalist is actually a millennial but oh. it's just like it's it's been two years since sally two and a bit years since sally rooney's written a novel like please write about anyone else literally anyone else we do this like every three months someone comes out with like a anti-rooney think piece and it's like just stop <laughs> anyway sorry i'll get off my soapbox <laughs> excellent all right well thank you renee for bringing that one uh sam what have you been reading um, so I've been reading Harrow the Ninth, which is the sequel to Gideon the Ninth, um, which is a book I adored. It's by New Zealand author um, Tamsin Muir, and it's uh, Harrow the Ninth is the second book in uh, the trilogy, the Locked Tomb trilogy, which is a name I love. Um, and for context, if you haven't heard of this series or these books, um, Gideon the Ninth was referred to as uh, lesbian necromancers in space, um, and that is why I read it and it was amazing and it was such a huge journey but um Harrow the Ninth for me is a very different kind of book um and I really appreciate how Tamsin has done something different and unexpected um with this one in terms of style and in terms of the the content as well I'm only a few chapters in um but it is it's different to what I expected and I really got nowhere no idea where it's going to go which is really exciting um you know where where Gideon the Ninth was kind of a um, mystery advent haunted house adventure um you know with a bit of uh, action thrown in as well um if I can summarize it that way it's much more complicated than that um I think that Harrow the Ninth is pretty experimental it's not safe at all the writing style is even more detailed and beautiful and strange which is fantastic and the first you know sort of few chapters are on um the Harrow is on the, sh the I guess, the battle spaceship of 
her god, the Undying Emperor. Um, and based on the events of the previous novel, she's um, got to recover from that. And also then he's given her a job to do. And I think Tamsin has taken it. It's a really interesting way of describing this god emperor, this necromancer, because he, the way he's described is so otherworldly and strange, but the things he says to Harrow is just kind of sort of like, pull yourself together, come on, you have a job to do. He kind of sounds normally in a kind of dad kind of way. I don't know how to describe it. <laughs> Liv, Liv, I know you've read this, so I don't know. I mean, I feel like anyone who reads this is going to read it in a different way because it's just such a, a strange and interesting, yeah, book. But um, I'm excited. To, to sort of see where it goes. You have no idea, Sam. That book is bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> I love it more than Gideon, I think. Really? Which, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Right now I'm kind <laughs> of missing Gideon, Gideon sarcasm. I really like, appreciated mm. that character and Gideon's perspective. Mm. Um, this one is from Harris' perspective and it's she's less sarcastic, but I also kind of like her kind of witty repartee and, um, mm. you know, her, her her personality, I guess, coming through now more as well. Have you have you read Gideon yet, Mark? I I haven't. It's uh, ever since you first mentioned it to me last year. Yeah. It has been on my on my to read pile, <laughs> and I, I just haven't got to it yet. And now that Harrow is out, I I feel that um it's it's you know kind of more pressing that I get onto it. I really really do want to want to read it. Um and like I think we we've talked about this series a lot on our various podcasts mm. and stuff. We should try and get her on for an interview. Yes, please. Oh, I would love that. Yeah, she sounds hilarious. If you're listening, Tamsin, give us a call. <laughs> Not <laughs> a call. <laughs> All right, excellent. Thanks, Sam. That's uh, yeah, that's really great. And um, it's uh, part of a trilogy, right? There's going to be a third one. Alexa yes. the Knights is the last one, which I believe Tamsin is writing now. So hopefully, okay. this time next year, it'll be up. Fantastic. All right, Liv, what have you brought? Uh, so I'm reading at the moment The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue by V.E. Schwab or Victoria Schwab. Um, I've been obsessed with this book since Sarah and I interviewed her last year in April and she pitched it to us. This book's been a long time coming from what I believe, from what I've heard. And basically the story is uh, a young woman called Adeline LaRue is born in like early 17th, 1700s in France. She's uh, horrified by the prospect of you know, getting married and being tied to this small town without ever really living a life. So on the eve of her wedding, she makes a deal with a god that she, or a, de a, de a devil that she probably shouldn't have. And she's granted immortality, but that has a sting in the tail and she actually is cursed to be forgotten by every single person she meets, um, like almost instantly. Like if they, if she wanders out of their eyesight, she's instantly forgotten, which presents a lot of problems when you're trying to, find shelter for the night or like basically just move through the world as a woman in the 1700s. Um, so basically it goes back and forth in time. So went back to when she first made the deal and then moves through life. And then also is mixed in with scenes where she's in New York City in 2014 and she meets a boy in a bookshop who remembers her. And it's kind of about her figuring out what's happened and why that is and yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Um, it's a nice, chunky, long novel. Um, so I've kind of, like, picked it up and, like, and just read it in big chunks. Uh, I'm really enjoying it. It's gorgeous writing. Like, if 
you're familiar with um, V.E. Schwab's writing and you love it, then you'll probably love this. It's very much um, in that same style. And yeah, that's that's, cool. that's that's such a great idea for a book. I love I love yeah. that pitch. Mm. She's very good at pitching. Like Sarah and I were just sitting there, like completely spellbound when she was done. It was great. Um, and another book that I I'm hoping to pick up this weekend um, because it's been shortlisted for the International Booker Prize, which is for books published in the UK and Ireland that have been translated into English from another language. Um, and that is The Discomfort of Evening by, oh God, I can't say the name, but Marika Lucas Rienveld. Um, I have a feeling this one might win, though I'm always wrong. But basically it tells the story of a 10 year old girl called Jazz in the Netherlands, um, which is where the author is from. Um, it's also translated by, apologies, Michelle Hutchison. Sorry, you should always give props to the translator. Um, but basically it follows the story of this 10-year-old girl called Jazz who lives on a farm um, with her devout religious family in rural Netherlands. Um, one day her brother goes off to ice skating without her and she's really angry and she prays to her God that um, he doesn't return, that he dies. And he actually does um, by like freak chance. And it's all about the impact that, that experience has on her life from that point on as her family is grieving and she starts having these really intense fantasies. And it's like, it's a debut novel. It's, I think it's been a bestseller in the Netherlands. It's kind of like a lot of people described as a punch to the gut. I'm really excited to read it. It's got a lot of hype. Um, and I think it's a favorite to win the International Book Cup. Um, but like I said, I'm always wrong about these things, but I'm really hoping to get into it this weekend. Excellent. And the International Booker is announced uh, this coming Thursday, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, well, the 26th of August um, you, British time, which I think is about 1.30 a.m. our time. So it'll be the 27th for us. We'll wake up to the news. Um, but yeah, so we'll, we'll be able to, uh, to see how, um, whether the Olivia curse of choosing the wrong book <laughs> continues. It's already been cursed, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. All right, did anybody have any other books they wanted to bring up before we get into a uh, book fight? Excellent, all right. Roll your, your sleeves up, put on your, your, your punching gloves, punching gloves, boxing gloves, and put up your jukes and get ready for, um, that's the extent of my sports references this week. Uh, and get ready for a book fight. All right, uh, so first thing I need you to do is each of you to give me a word that you're going to use to buzz in to uh, answer the question. Uh, Renee, what word are you going to use? Exciting, from exciting times. Okay, exciting. Uh, Sam? Uh, I'll, I'll use Harrow. <laughs> Liv? Um, I'm just going to do chips because there's a pack of the chips sitting here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm just writing down columns. Okay, let's do it. Question one. Bearing in mind that I didn't write the questions this week. <laughs> Name all the members of the Cullen family. Chips. Oh, no, this is embarrassing. Um, Edward Cullen. Yep. Jasper Cullen. Alice Cullen. Um, Emmett Cullen. Rosalie Cullen. Esme Cullen. Carlisle Cullen. And technically Bella and Renesme. I'm really embarrassed about this. That's really good. <laughs> you, you you got everything right. Um, the the I only got to finish reading Midnight Sun. 
The answer that I had here that, again, I didn't write, but I just want to read this out because I think it's funny, is um, <laughs> uh, Bella and her kid. So we've got... Bella and her kid. All right. So I'll give you... A, uh, that's that's point right there for you. Um, all right. Question two. Which novel opens with this line? This is my favorite book in the world, though I have never read it. Oh. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know that one. It's probably, I, I mean, it's a famous novel. It's a very famous film as well from the 80s that has a huge cult following now. Chips? Is it The Princess Bride by William Golding? It is. That was a total guess. Huh. All right, next question. The Moonflower Murders by Anthony Horowitz was released this week. What other book series is he best known for? Oh, my God, I know that author. I know the answer, but I don't want to be a stuff at chips. <laughs> <laughs> Alex Ryder? Very good. When you say it, I'm like, oh, yeah, no, that's the one. <laughs> All right, this 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 one I'll be I'll be interested to see uh, 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 how we go with this. This is this is a new format of question for this for this quiz. Um, so I'm excited to see how we go. What book series am I? My first book was published in 1999, and I've sold over 60 million copies worldwide across my entire series. Cool. I've been adapted into a film, a video game, and most recently a Netflix series. I am regarded as a gothic absurdist series aimed at older children. My 13th and final entry was published in 2006. My author published this series under a pen name, but he is also well Chip? known under his real name. Yes, Liv. Um, is it a series of unfortunate events? You're on a roll. Yes, it is. I thought it was Harry Potter right up until Netflix. Yeah, me too. Yeah, That's Harry Potter too. And then you said gothic absurd, so I'm like, no. <laughs> It's a good way to describe um, the series, though. Yeah. Oh man. I feel like Harry Potter sold more than six, like a lot more than sixty million copies. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Once you get to that point, numbers are just numbers. Yep. Yeah. All right. The next question: the classic two thousand and six film "She's the Man" is based on what play? Chips. <laughs> Go live. Is it Twelfth Night by William Shakespeare? <laughs> is Twelfth Night by William Shakespeare? <laughs> It's my favorite, well, second favorite Shakespeare play. All right, this this next one, this this is one I, I'm I'm I have a feeling that Liv won't get. So, hmm. I mean, I, I'll probably be wrong. Which famous book character's final words were? And the statute of limitations on this has expired a long time ago. So this isn't a this isn't really spoilery. So, which famous book character's final words were? If more of us valued food and cheer and song above hoarded gold, it would be a merrier world. But sad or merry, I must leave it now. Ugh. That last part is the character dying. I'm not. Oh, not. um, oh, um. Yes. Uh, Harry, um, it's a Lord of the Rings character. Yeah, that sounds. Yeah, Gandalf. Yeah, Gandalf? No, because it's kind of oh. Lord of the Rings character, but like not quite Lord of the Rings. It's kind of. Oh, the Hobbit! It's Thorin. Yes, yes, very good. Yay! 
I got one. I was thinking The Hobbit, but I'm like, I don't know who would actually say that. <laughs> I can't remember who dies in The Hobbit. <laughs> okay, and the last question. So just to do a, um, a sum of where we are on the points right now, um, Renee is on none. Am <laughs> I the first person to be on none? <laughs> uh, no, we've had uh, we've we've had none before. I think uh, they should be banned from book chat. I mean, book fight. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Being too obnoxious. Uh, Sam is on one point and Liv is on five. And, like, you know, every every week I kind of make up the rules as I go along. And normally with that name, all of the Cullens, I would have given you a point for each one. Yeah, I was This would happen. And I didn't want you to, like, just crush everyone. So. <laughs> wow. I'm taking yeah. this to HR. This is rude. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you get an HR. My my boss makes up a quiz and he makes up the rule. And, <laughs> and I won, but still by not by enough. Didn't get all of the points yeah. that I wanted. <laughs> Remember when I got 14 in a book fight quiz? Remember that? It was like three weeks ago. You get so competitive with this. It's ridiculous. Not my fault. I'm good at book trivia. <laughs> all right. We haven't finished yet. Maybe I'll just make it up that this next question is worth 10 points. No, don't do that. Well, you'll probably get it anyway. Uh, all right, here we go. What does the Australian literary community celebrate on the 2nd of September this year? Oh, Harry. Um, I might get this wrong. Um, is it um, National Indigenous Literacy Day? It is. Yay! Well, I got 10 points! I can I get 10 points? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sam wins. We wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did something similar to Nick recently in one of these and he still hasn't forgiven me for it. Anyway, thank you. I will never forgive you for this. <laughs> thank you all for being such good sports. Um, and thank you for joining me today and sharing your books. Uh, Weekend Booktopian is produced by Nick Wasiliev. You can find links to the books we've discussed today in the episode description, or you can find them on booktopia.com.au. You can listen to all of our shows for free on SoundCloud and iTunes, including our recent discussion podcast, Booktopia on, surprise, surprise, Midnight Sun. We do like to talk about Twilight a lot. So until next week, thank you for listening and never stop reading. Thank you for listening to the Booktopia podcast channel, don't forget, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes for free and get access to hundreds of author discussions, book analysis pieces and more. Or, if your eyes need a workout, head to Booktopia TV on YouTube. Don't forget, for all books featured in this podcast and for access to a whole bunch of other fun content on our blog, head to Booktopia, Australia's local bookstore at booktopia.com au <laughs> to me excellent. <laughs>